Texas with my friend in soccer. Now, welcome <laughs> to the Texas Ring of Fire, Andrew Weeby. Oh man, I have not heard that flipped around on me by anybody but Bobby Warshaw, Russell. So uh, yeah, I did not expect that. I got a good chuckle out of me on this. Uh, what is it? Wednesday evening here. So yeah, man, happy to be on. Uh, happy to be with uh, a fan base that I know and loves and appreciates me for being me. All right, sometimes. Oh, yeah. Depending on their moods and depending on what I say about referee calls, which I'm sure we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, and effigies, right? Was there a real effigy? I don't think so. I don't think so either. But it's fun to imagine there could be. Up. Yeah. That's like, a, you know, I, if there's ever an effigy created, Austin fans, please create more than one because I'm going to need that as a collector's item. You can you burn one of them, no doubt. But I'm going to need the other one to, to put behind me in my office, sitting up on the little, you know, on the little, uh, the little uh, shelf I got behind me for recording. So if there are effigies, just make sure and make two of them. Uh, <laughs> and if you have one to burn, I'm down to burn it with you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, snap. All right, man. So you're an extra time host. And I was reading up on that. You're on Sirius XM as well. That's on Sirius. Yeah, we've been on there off and on for a lot of years now. Um, you know, they kind of come in and drop in and let us be their MLS voice, um, depending on the year. Like I said, it's been off and on, but we're happy. Anytime we're on series, we're happy to be there. I mean, I love all their hosts. I come on a ton of their shows as a guest anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, look, I, I have nothing but love for a group of people that puts out 24-7 uh, content, audio content, radio on North American soccer, the world of soccer, and doing it here. I mean, th those are my people, ultimately, so whether it's Grumpy Pundits or, you know, Dunny and Tony used to bring me on a good amount. I used to jump on uh, Canadian Sirius XM. Uh, they got a show up there in Canada they like. Uh, it's not on It's not on uh, the one here in the U.S. But, yeah, we've been all over the place, man. But ultimately, we're, we're a podcast. That's what we'll always be, I think. You know, we've got the video section of it as well. But the beauty of podcasting to me, and I'm a big podcast listener myself, is that, you know, there's no price of entry, right? Like, you just got to have the phone. You got to have the computer. You got to have the way to get the audio, the file. And, and once you're there, you're part of a community. And I, I you know, it, it always sort of wows me to meet people um, that have made extra time a part of their lives because I know what that's like, both in recording the show, but in a different way, but with other podcasts as well. Like, you know, my podcast personally that I, I'm like, you know, waiting for the notification. I know when it comes out, if it doesn't come out, I'm frustrated. Uh, is no laying up just because I've turned into a golf nut in the last, I don't know, two and a half years or so. Uh, but like, I feel like I know those guys. You know what I mean? I listen to the right. show. I'm like arguing with them as they argue about stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm more <laughs> of a, I'm more into like this guy and I like see more eye to eye, uh, et cetera. And actually some of those guys are MLS fans as well. We've connected on that. But like for people to come up at any point, uh, whether it's on Twitter or when we go to events or anything like that, or even like sometimes I'm, I'm in the, you know, I'm in, the airport with my family and somebody's like, Hey, I'm, I listen to extra time. I really like the show. Uh, that's like, there's nothing better. Um, right. There's just yeah. nothing better to know that you're a part of somebody's life. And, uh, in a, in a positive way, whether that's why they're doing the dishes or like in my case, driving to and from daycare, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that's that's special stuff. So the show has a really special place in my heart, always will, and and that's due to the guys and the the women that I've done it with, and then also the listeners as well. And did you start extra time or how did? Extra- nah, man. No, okay. Nah, this is a this is an inherited uh, podcast for me. So I'll kind of give you the this is a good way to give the backstory on me as as it pertains to MLS. Um, both the yeah, job yeah. and interest, to be honest with you, is. I started really caring about soccer in 2006. Before that, I was a very traditional, you know, American sports guy. Like I grew up playing baseball and I played baseball year round until I was 20 and, uh, you know, loved the NFL, big Chiefs fan, was a Royals fan, obviously, went to University of Kansas. So KU basketball and now KU football, KU football off and on. Uh, That was my that was it. You know, I was I was locked into the NBA, to the NFL, to MLB and Soccer was this thing growing up um, that I really enjoyed. I loved playing. I played until I was in eighth grade, but I, I didn't know anything about the professional game. Almost nothing. You know, I knew that the Wizards were up the road in, in Kansas City, but we didn't get their games on TV. Just saw the box score in the newspaper. You know, I watched the World Cups. I remember watching the World Cup in, uh, uh, in 94 when I was eight. I remember being at, like, my grandparents' house and watching it with the antenna and you know, I got some. I got the 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 Diodoras, the uh, Roberto Baggio's after that tournament because he was just. I was like, "Who is this guy?" Like, and I made my dad go out and buy me the Roberto Baggio Diodora indoors, and I wore those nice. to school. And everybody's like, "What? What are those?" But I just cherished them, and I kind of fell out with soccer. And then '06, the World Cup. It just, you know, it was after my freshman year of college, and I was home and I was working, but I wasn't working in the mornings really, and I just was locked in. I had nothing else to do. Uh, and my friends and I would just we'd go over to each other's houses and, and we'd watch the games. And uh, I was just sort of like, man, I need to know more. And I have an addictive personality when it comes to information. Um, so if I'm curious about something, I will I will just mainline books, you know, online searches, Wikipedia, YouTube highlights. I will get as much information as I can. And I just went down the rabbit hole and I never came out. I remember it sort of started with Michael Essien. U.S. played Ghana, and I was just like, "Oh my God, this dude is unbelievable!" Like, I I did not I did not know that that this is what soccer was like. Uh, and you just start going down, and you say, "Okay, well, where did he come from? How did he?" You know, then you go through the different leagues, and you go through the the sort of ladder that players climb, and and the different cultures within the game, within countries, and then within clubs themselves. And it's just sort of a never ending, you know, ocean of information. Like even now. My whole life is built around it, and I'm constantly learning, constantly finding out new things. Um, so that, that's one of my favorite things about the game is it's kind of smashing culture and uh, sport together and society. Uh, and when you open your eyes a little bit in the U.S., you're like, oh, well, actually, the rest of the world, this is what they care about. We're sort of here in our bubble. Uh, but the rest of the world, the rest of the world knows what matters, and, and it's it's this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're telling me that uh, – well, Josh Wolf wasn't your favorite player whenever you started watching soccer? <laughs> uh, no, man. I, I actually covered Josh Wolf when I first started uh, covering MLS at the Wizards, sort of the tail end of his playing days. Um, so Josh and I uh, knew each other from back then. I think there were times I was a young buck. I was learning my way. I was, you know, like just out of college and I'd gotten a job with MLS soccer. Uh, they had rebranded the site, and I want to say 2010, and I graduated from college in 2009. I was working in Kansas City just like uh, for the National Association of Insurance Commissioners and uh, doing sort of like, I don't know, like analyst work with them. They basically create all these online tools for 
uh, insurance agents and brokers and everything else to get licensed. And I was like, man, I, I'm a journalism major. I love soccer. How do I, how do I get, how do I get to where I want to go? And I got a call to work for MLS. And so, um, freelancing. And so, you know, I probably made like 10 grand a year, but at the time I was like, I'm rich. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that was my beer money. And that was my, uh, I went to a backpack through Europe for a month on that money. Um, but I covered the wizards and I covered Josh. So he and I knew each other back then. I think, uh, like I said, I was a young, I was a young buck sort of learning about the game, about MLS, about myself, about how to cover professional athletes. And, uh, you know, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember a couple times where I think Josh was a little frustrated with what I was writing. Um, <laughs> probably still. Yeah. Hey, probably still things, things, uh, <laughs> things, as much as things change, they stay the same, huh? So yeah, man, just, just did that for a couple of years and had covered the wizards in college, um, for free. I created KC football, F U T B O L dot blogspot.com. And, uh, those are the days when gas was just, uh, you know, the prices were insane. I don't even remember what the numbers were at that time. I just remember being broke and like the idea of driving from Lawrence, Kansas to the training facility to do interviews was like, Oh man, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be ordering pizza tonight, you know, <laughs> like, I'll be stretching this one. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, he and he and I go back in that sense. Nice. Well, we all appreciate you, man. Besides the banter, you know, for extra time, everything oh, you, you appreciate the do, banter. man. Come on, yeah, that's we, the fun you stuff. know, that's the fun stuff, but you know, other than that, it's, it's great stuff that you guys do out there. And, uh, now you're a coach, right? Well, you know, that's a, that's a loose, loose definition. The Rainbow Narwhals, you know, we do need a good bit of coaching. You know, we're three and four years old, so we're just learning this game. So I'm more, I would say, as opposed to a coach, I'm more of a cheerleader. Okay. And a, um, uh, you know, like a traffic cop. So cheerleader <laughs> traffic cop is basically how I would describe it. And I don't know how I, I you told me uh, before we jumped on here that, that you're coaching your kid as well in the same general age group. I don't know how you guys do it, but we have a 30-minute practice, and then we have a 30-minute quote-unquote game, which is just an opportunity for the kids to you know, actually try to go score against somebody who's you know, theoretically understanding or trying to stop them from doing so. Um, but you know, the kids wanted to be the Rainbow Narwhals, which I thought was a, a kick-ass name. So, you know, got some rainbow cones, got some rainbow wristbands that we make sure we put on before games. Okay. We played the rainbow unicorns last game and they had rainbow unicorn socks. And I was like, they're flexing on us. This is tough. (laughs) Uh, But no, we have fun. We, I, I create a bunch of little fun things for them to do in the practice. We do things like, you know, I'll set up all the cones uh, and like, all right, guys, this is the rainbow road. And like, you got to dribble through the rainbow road and then make a turn here and then try to go score a goal. We'll, we'll play tag. We'll do, we're just trying to have fun. My ultimate goal is that every time those kids leave uh, the field that they think, man, soccer is fun. I want to play soccer. Like I can't wait till next game. I can't wait till next season. I like playing soccer. Like that's, that's my singular goal. Uh, And then, you know, the payoff for me as a dad is, you know, previous leagues, Cameron, my son, who plays on the team, has not been down to play organized soccer. He's been down to play in the backyard with me all the time, but he does not want to play organized soccer. And uh, this is loosely organized, of course, but he's been all about this. Uh, he's scoring some bangers, playing good defense, has had some nice turns, running hard. So that's, you know, that's super fun for dad to see. What's your, uh, what's, how does that compare to your experience? So mine, they they actually have practice on Monday, Wednesday, and we practice for about forty five minutes. And then Ooh, we have how games. old are these kids? They're they're four and five. 
Wow, you guys are going. You guys are getting into it. We're we're straight wreck right now. So yeah, we and we're wreck. And uh, my son actually, he's he's playing two teams right now. He's playing the junior academy because he got invited to go practice with them. Ended up joining the team, so he's playing up a little bit. Uh, so I think the junior academy is is more what he wants to play because he wants to play more organized soccer with the corner kicks and the goal kicks and. But he got smashed in the face first game by about an eight-year-old kid, and he's only four and a half. So he's been terrified of the ball ever since. But, hey, man, the recreational, those guys, they're, they're a lot more funner for me to, to coach because they, they just want to have fun, right? They just, they're learning. They just want to be out there kicking the ball around. And it's a lot less stressful on me. With the Junior Academy as a, their coach, they actually stressed me out this because – this Sunday coming up, they have a game at two fifteen, and Austin FC plays RSL at two p.m. <laughs> so can you see how that puts me in a bit of a yeah? You're in a tough spot, Coach. I don't know like what you do. got. What would Josh Wolf do, man? He would he would go with his team. You can't abandon your team, but at the same time, you got the once in the life once. Uh, there's only one first home playoff game too. Right. So, so I, it's I, a rocking it's a rock and a hard place. Now I, I have to miss uh, Saturday's game myself. Um, somebody pays me to cover cover this league, and God bless them. And I, I don't ever stop keep that from from continuing. So I gotta miss this one. But yeah, we're maybe I'll have to look into. We have to, you know, this was the first year that we really got Cameron going on this. So maybe we'll do another year of super relaxed, and then we're going. You know, we're going straight into way your corner kicks, goal kicks, getting smashed in the face by eight year olds. Like you know, we'll <laughs> have him play up a level real quick. Yeah, no doubt, man. Good luck to to y'all this season. I think we're. I want to say we don't count score, but I'm I'm gonna say we're two one and one. Yeah, have have they had any bonus games yet? No bonus games. No. Uh, bonus. Well, we played a we played a team of all three year olds. Okay. Arguably, arguably a bonus game. That's a bonus game. Yeah, that was that was our biggest win of the year. And you know, if we're being honest about sort of the you know the bonus game concept, that that probably falls under bonus game. Yeah, and that, that's been a lot of fuel for Austin, you know, this season, jumping into finally some Austin FC. That's what kind of started to keep doubting us, and that was Felipe Martins that said it first, or who – where do you think that all originated in? I think that originated in the personality, you know, and Felipe is a big part of that. And, and look, Felipe is my guy, so, like, I, I love Felipe. He and, I, he and I go a good ways back. We know each other pretty well. Um, we've had some, we've had some fun texting conversations about, uh, about this too, where I'm like, bro, you know, I'm not saying that. And he's like, no, no, don't you try to back out now? <laughs> um, I think it goes down to the personality of the team. And I thought Josh Wolf said something interesting this week in the lead up to this game against RSL, which is like that this team kind of, that they play better with an edge. And I completely understand managers, players, clubs, finding that edge wherever they can. You know, it's look, it's open season, man. Like I know I know the way that this this job in this world works. Like if I say something publicly, it's open season. Like if I make a prediction, if I say something like bonus game, which in the beginning was that was just like I just you know, that was a complete <laughs> pull it out of your butt, like we're having fun on extra time. I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna see how the other hosts react to it, and we're just gonna have some banter about it that took on a life of its own. Yeah. I completely understand how Austin, if, if you're Josh Wolf and you're trying to motivate your guys and you're just like, I need, a, we all, and you're a player, you're like, I want to play at X level. How do I get there? You know, you just got to, I'm not saying they're Michael Jordan. I'm not saying they're the GOAT, but like you look at 
athletes throughout history, you look at just people. If somebody tells you you can't do something, if somebody doubts you, if somebody says, hey, I don't think you got it, like it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're like, watch me load this dishwasher in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like people respond to to doubt. People respond to sort of other people saying you can't do it. And it it riles them up, and and that often leads to sort of performances and motivations that you might not get elsewhere. And if if you're Austin, use every tool you can. Like, who cares how you got to second in the West? You know, if you understood what it was going to take to create that edge within your club, within your team, to motivate guys, to get jacked up for big games, you know, to recover, to get back at it when things aren't going as well, more power to you. Like, Ultimately, in my job and, and outside of my job, my life, if I didn't have this this job, I still love Major League Soccer. I want every team to be as good as they can possibly be because it makes what I watch and what I enjoy, which is ultimately an entertainment product. Yeah, I get it. Sports, it's for them, it's a job. But for, for fans, like, come on, man, this is an entertainment product. We're here to sort of get outside of our, our daily stresses. We're here to, like, be around friends, have a couple drinks, yell, let out some steam, like have a good time. So I want every team to be at their very best and to compete at that level. And so to see Austin get here, nothing but love. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy bonus game took on a life of its own. I'm not taking credit for it by any means, but if that was one small thing along a a line of many things that they used, great. And I've had a, a, I've had so much fun with Austin fans You guys have been both great sports and terrible sports, but that's what makes Twitter and that's what makes this league fun. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm two feet into it. (laughs) All right. So let's jump into this Austin FC versus Colorado. Uh, This lineup had Valencia and Jite that were kind of different this this time around. What did you think? What do you think about that lineup at the beginning of the game? I guess you could say. Uh, With those guys in, I, I just felt like, I felt like Josh Wolf was um, he's like sort of giving his guys a blow. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't there wasn't any reason to go out and push like crazy. It's not a must win game. You're not moving anywhere, you know, in the standings. You are going to be the second seed. So I think I think Musa Jite is this guy that has all this talent and all this ability, and we see it in spurts, and then it's gone. You know what I mean? Then it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you, you may not see him, period. And you definitely are not going to see some of the production that we've seen at times. Like, you know, he he'll come he comes in and scores three goals in 32 minutes against RSL and doesn't have another goal in the league other than in late May. How does that make any sense? Like that that is crazy. So if if I'm Josh Wolf in that game, I'm thinking, okay, can I get Musa Jite going just a little bit? He's not going to start a playoff game for me barring injury and obviously Aruti comes in so and Aruti is their guy so like can I just can I get him a goal or two can I get him some confidence so that when and if we need to go to the bench in a playoff game we have this tool we have this guy that can change the game we know he has that capability he just hasn't consistently shown it you know I think the same thing the same thing sort of goes uh with a Valencia like you're gonna need some depth you're gonna have issues you might have suspensions you know, give guys a blow that need it and and give guys that need to have sort of rhythm that as well. And that's Gallagher, Gabrielson, Romana, and Lima. Uh, excuse me, Cascante, Romana got on late. Your back line needs to have reps. 
So I, I thought it was well done from him. Um, I, I, it is interesting to me that Ethan Finley seems to be the guy on the wing. Uh, I can't say I'm completely surprised. Like, Rigoni has a pedigree. <laughs> yeah. But to expect players to integrate immediately and be game changers immediately is ultimately a lot to ask. Uh, and, and Ethan has been very effective. There's not another player on this team that truly stretches the field to provide space for, for, for Fagundes and Driussi and be that threat over the top. Like, Aruti's not really that, and, and certainly Driussi and Fagundes aren't. So I think he serves a, a crucial role. Uh, so I thought he managed it well. I just I just thought they got unlucky. You know, they, they were the better team in the game. I've had some moments uh, where I've sort of reassessed the uh, – my thoughts on some of the referee calls, you know, I do think, I do think Diego Fagundes is onside. Onside, like I, right? I, I, onside. I just don't, I don't think it's that close, to be honest with you. I understand the caution on the part of the referee crew in that moment because I've been fooled by those exact same angles before. But man, the more I look at that one, the more it just looks to me like, I think it is clear and obvious that he's onside. So why you know, did I would, bar- I would like to see that go to video review, that yeah, particular play. Because I think it is. I think if you look at it, you can say, okay, this is a this isn't a matter of inches. And if it's a matter of inches, then I would say, okay, then it's not clear and obvious. It's more of a matter of feet. You know, one, two, you know, maybe more like one and a half to two and a half, maybe even three feet. And we're in your when you're in that zone. Uh, and look, nobody's tossed the line down, so I might be just talking on my butt right now about those feet. But like, I think that goal should stand. I'm a little bit more agnostic about the dog so play. Um, I certainly that, think that a, it that's could a clear be, foul to me in the back. Yeah, I, I certainly think it could be dog so. And if and look, if they called a foul and, and gave it a yellow or a red, I probably wouldn't be arguing too much with it. But I think in that part of the game, what the referee on the field is trying to do is not jump to conclusions on a, a play where it's not guaranteed Driussi gets to the ball. Because the, the Rapids keeper is sitting at the top of the 18. He doesn't come steaming out because he doesn't have to. Drews, he goes down, but he's prepared to. The contact is not – I don't think it's severe or egregious. Is there contact? Is it a foul? If the whistle blew and it was called, I wouldn't even bat an eye. You know what I mean? And that's that's certainly one of those places where I've had to learn over years and years and years of doing instant replay that like, in the opinion of the referee – is a very important phrase in soccer. You know, that law book is gray and referees have to make judgment calls. And if they think that either Driussi went down easy or the contact wasn't, wasn't severe, or it was more of a shoulder to shoulder than anything else, I get why the call wouldn't be made. And Oh, by the way, it's the 91st minute and the game is hectic and crazy and everybody's pushing and it's flying around. Like I could see how you might just say, you know what? Just keep play on. Play on. You're not getting to that ball. Goalkeeper was going to get there anyway, so I don't see dogs. So in that case, I'm not going to just call a foul and get out a yellow card. Of course, in the end, that's painful for Austin because Diego Rubio comes back down the other end and scores. Um, but I could I can see both sides. I can see, hey, that's a clear foul. For sure, can see it. If it was whistled that way, wouldn't argue it as such. I can see the side of like, hey, I'm managing the end of this game. It's crazy. I don't think that's a clear foul. I think it's more shoulder to shoulder. And I think Driussi tries goes down a little easy. Okay, fine. Like, I don't really have a problem with it. The only reason that anybody's talking about it is because Diego Rubio went down the other end and scored. If you called it dog so, would I agree? 
I could I would listen to the argument and I could see the 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 reason why you would call it dog so. I also just think that I just don't think Drew is getting to the ball. I think that the touch is long. Either way, he's having to go around. It's not a direct run for him. And like you know, look, uh, Abu Bakar, he he's he's within his rights to sort of jostle and try to throw him off. Is he within his rights to push him over? No, and you can argue about whether he did that or not. Um, I I don't think it's clear cut dog. So personally, based on the location of the ball and the goalkeeper. But this again, in the in the opinion of the referee, man, it's like a it's like a it, it's what it all comes back down to, and and I get why Austin is is frustrated and upset about it. Fortunately, it didn't affect their playoff standing, is what I'll say. Um, but yeah, I've I've heard from a lot of a lot of Verde and Black. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, so I was fortunate enough to sit in the Lexus Club that's that game front row, so I was able to see that play pretty well, and. Trust me, the touch that he gave it was so perfect. I saw him turn on the boosters. He had beat he had beat him. He definitely had beat he, he had beat Abubakar. He, I'm not, trust, there's I, no I, argument you, from me. I'm there. telling you, this, this goal, he if he doesn't get fouled in the back, this goal right here would would have got him the MVP that he deserves. Obviously, I, I don't everyone, think that gets him the MVP, I'll tell you that. Wouldn't I'm, have changed it would not have look, changed. So my so mind. Diego Fagundes goal stands, it's two nil. That that changes the, the game. And every, I'm watching every it right situation. now, man. I don't think I don't think I don't think he's I don't think it's a guarantee he's getting to this ball. He probably right. is. We'll, we'll agree to disagree for sure. Yeah, he probably <laughs> is. But yeah, like you like you. It checked you know, up for it, him. It, it, it did it check checked. up for him. I'm just watching it right now, live. Just yeah, and and then it turns around, counterattack ends up in a corner kick, and Gabrielson as well. The one thing that we have to do when the refs are screwing us over is we have got to keep composure and play our game. And like Gabriel said, instead of just kicking it out the end line, kicking it out the sideline so it could be a throw-in. And, you know, those set pieces, we're not that great. Our defenders are not that great at defending the corner kicks. So in a sense, we have to be smart, keep composure in those situations. But I think if he, like you were saying, man, he beats that defender. That's MVP. That's MVP on no, Austin FC. No, I don't think it is. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think it's still Hani. Uh, but that doesn't take away from Drewsy at all. My vote went to no, Hani. No. I, I think that Hani will will win it. I think the reason being, um, I mean, people underrate Diego Fagundes. Crazy underrate him. We're having right. him on extra time tomorrow, and I'm I'm jacked up to talk to him. I can't Tell wait him to see I if he hi. gives a shtick about uh, – <laughs> about these uh, these calls on, on instant replay. But, like, he has been an absolute monster this year. Um, Aruti has had his moments, and I think Aruti is, like, the, one a perfect forward to play in front of, in front of Driussi because he's so unselfish in his runs. You know, there are moments in the season where he's just, like, heat check McGee where he'll shoot from anywhere, and that's not exactly what you want. Sometimes it works out. But in his unselfishness in his runs, his level of activity, and then also his defensive effort, he is a perfect forward to have in front of a sort of a, a like a late arriving runner or second runner like Triusi. Right. Um, it's just it's been an incredible season uh, for Austin all around. Like basically everybody is uh, ha- is performing at a level um, that I don't think many expected in preseason, and that's why you saw the the predictions where they were. Yeah, eleventh place. Come on, man, eleventh place, bro. 
Yeah, you know, I just it, it was I should have I, I underestimated uh, Driusi, even though I, I will say I took him in that Golden Boot draft. I underestimated Driusi, uh, and I underestimated um, sort of how well Josh Wolf could turn the corner after year one when his preferred style of play didn't really work the way he had hoped it would. I, I under I underestimated I underestimated him a little bit, and uh, I'll take I'll take the L on that one. You know, sure. I, I didn't think that I didn't think that the way that they were playing was going to translate over. That they would be able to find this gear, and they did. You know, they did. They're, I still think that they're a little bit vulnerable in a one-game situation um, because they have a habit of going down at home too, and they they tend to play sort of like open games where there's there's a ton of space for their attacking players, and you know, Drewsy's out and running, and Diego's cutting inside, and and getting, you know, into good shooting and assist positions, and Aruti's obviously stretching the line, and but then that opens up a ton of space, and I'm not sure that they've always been able to defend uh, that space uh, when the game gets a little bit hectic uh, in the most effective way. So I think there's, you know, it's not a feast or famine team. I just think they're going to play relatively open games, and that's where they're at their best, but it also gives other teams an opportunity. And when you get to the playoffs, the other teams are good. Right. You, know, you get to play up, so the other teams have talent. Um, and RSL have just this sort of intangible uh, that somehow gets them there. And, like, if, if Austin think they're going to get to play the underdog card now, maybe they can internally, but externally, no chance. Like, this RSL team is the underdog, and they are very good at flipping that script and being like, no, 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 not you. Nobody believes in us. Uh, and, and I think they've found a little bit of form here, and they have a difference maker, too, in Savarino. So. I think this is a really fun game. I think it's like such a fun matchup in mindsets and in the way they play. RSL does not want to control the game with the ball. They want to hit you on the counter. And and Austin want to push some numbers forward and attack. Uh, and attack. <laughs> so I think yeah. there's going to be some some lanes opened up for RSL a couple times a half to say, okay, let's go downhill. Like if we can connect these two passes, we might be in a place where we're even – even up headed into the 18 or maybe even have a man advantage. And those are difficult positions, I think for this back line to deal with. And, and Brad Stuver, to his credit has been huge this year. Uh, he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And, and he's a big reason why the, I think Austin can play like that at times and still have success. No doubt. So if you had to grade Austin, what would you give them in year two from year one? Year two. I mean, I think if you're, if you're going under, you can't go under an A. I think it's uh, to me it's a solid A. You know, the A plus would come from I think if you make a conference final. I think that's a to be fair. I think it's an A plus if you make the conference final. Um, coming from where they came from, second most points gained year over year. Cincinnati obviously number one, but to to put twenty five additional points on and to have the two seed locked up long-term to have some of the wins, the quality of wins that they've had, you know, against the LAFCs of the world uh, to win Copa Tejas to, you know, if, if you make a conference final and I say conference final, I don't even think it needs to be MLS cup, but my God, if they made MLS cup, like, and hosted it, well, then you're talking about like, Hey, you just broke the grading scale. Yeah. Like at that point, at that point, you're like, you're not even thinking about grades. You're just thinking about, can we win this thing? And and if you do, then, you know, that's history. That's that's Atlanta United, you know, type stuff. That's 
that's among the best uh, expansion starts in history. And it's also, uh, you know, you would know much better than I, but just sort of a, another flag planted in Austin where it just seems like there's green and black everywhere from afar. Uh, I, I, if I had to choose a place to go for MLS Cup, Austin is easily in my top three. I love the city of Montreal. I would love to go to Montreal. Um, I think Philly would would be really, really fun. LA is beautiful. Uh, but I think, man, I think I think Austin would be sort of a, a cherry on top of this whole year. Yeah, of course, I, I'm more biased with Austin, but I called them making it to the MLS Cup so that, you know, hopefully we can call us winning Copa Tejas. I called Rusi being golden boot winner and MVP candidate, and I was laughed at, you know, because they're like, how, how can he be golden boot winner as a midfielder? But, I, you know, I had a lot of faith in this team. I saw something in the beginning of the season. Like I said, I'm more biased towards yeah. Boston, of course. But I'm glad it's worked out for us. It's It's been a really fun ride. And I was, I was forced to ask you if you could come to the game this Sunday. I can't, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I would love to. Yeah, that's one of the things that I, I'm very thankful. I didn't get to go to – so I didn't get to go to MLS Cup last year, but I'm very thankful that, that we're going this year. And I think that'll – uh, continue as we sort of come out of the pandemic there's nothing better than being at games you know and, and i don't have to tell people that that's just blindingly obvious but there's nothing better than being at games and those are really the moments where as somebody who both loves this but also does it professionally that sort of fill you up again you know <laughs> right. what i mean like you, you oh, can I get can a little bit I, I sit in my basement and watch games and and you know, cover the league and and do extra time and do all these shows, but like ultimately, I'm I'm in my basement. You know, like I'm not with people. I'm not experiencing the environment. Um, I it that MLS Cup's going to fill me up, and if we can do it in Austin, uh, I I will probably the cup will runneth over, so to speak. Hey, if you uh if you can come to Austin for the MLS Cup final. You gotta wear your shirt. <laughs> I, yeah, I got it. I have the I have the two. I have the one that I've been wearing. It's a good sleep shirt because it's so soft. <laughs> yeah. And then I got another because because I bought two, so I got another one. I got a freshie. Uh, I got okay. a nice crispy one to break out uh, just in case. So yeah. I, I promise. I if if Austin make MLS Cup, we're doing a live show on the Friday. I don't know if we're gonna do it at a bar. I think it's probably more of like a we're gonna have both coaches. We're gonna have like a media deal. I will. At least for the Austin part, I will wear uh, wear that. It seems disrespectful to wear it for the other the other team, but at least for the Austin part, I will wear the uh, the Felipe the Felipe shirt. No doubt, for sure. So um, we are gonna have a tifo this this game for the RSL game. Who who's your team in MLS? I don't Is have it, one, man. I don't have don't? one. How could I have one? Charlie I, always I says know. it's sporting. Charlie always says it's sporting Kansas City. But like I told you, I didn't I didn't grow up with a team. So I never had a team that I had like emotional connection to in any way. And when I was in Kansas City, like, yeah, did I cover the Wizards and then sporting Kansas City? Yeah, but I covered them. You know, I was I was out of J school. I was trying to make this a profession. I wasn't trying to be I wasn't trying to come at it from a fan perspective. You know, I was like really, really trying to to cover that team and to be um, sort of a fly on the wall. So I just never have had one. Like I said before, like my job comes down to this is entertainment. So the teams that entertain me the most are the teams I like the most, just in the sense of I like to watch them. 
Uh, and then the teams that know what the hell they're doing on the soccer side and are committed to it and put out a good, you know, a good team, an interesting team, uh, make good signings, have a tactical identity, understand how the academy and, and MLSX Pro link up with the first team and get results from that. Those are the teams that I quote unquote like. I'm not rooting for them, but I am rooting for every team to be as bet as good as they possibly can be. So for the teams that get there or have a path to get there and are committed to it, they have a they have a little a little spot in my heart. And those are the teams that I'll, I'll go out of my way to watch because I can't watch this league is crazy now. I can't watch 14 full games a weekend. Like it just is not going to happen. That's not realistic. So I have to make choices and I, you know, I choose the, I choose, you know, three or four games to watch live all the way through, depending on how the schedule works out. And then I watch either extended highlights or I go back and watch the full games while I'm working. Um, but the teams that, that have that, those are the teams more likely than not, I'm going to watch. Um, Cause I want to be entertained too. For sure. Yeah. So playoffs coming up, this isn't, they just pass, you know, we have it solidified who's going to play each other. What do you expect in the playoffs? Who do you think is going to make the conference final and the MLS Cup final? I have uh, Montreal and LA Galaxy in there right now uh, for the MLS Cup final, but that's in my just straight chaos bracket. Yeah, I, I saw got, that. I, I got, saw that. Year earlier. after year, man, I got tired of just like making – I'm like, I made some great picks, did the research, wah, wah, all wrong. I was like, I, I'm, I'm done with that. Like, I'm going straight chaos. I'm going like, hey, what do I want to see – uh just from a entertainment perspective like would it be cool if cincinnati pulled an upset given that like noonan and um and albright were there were part of the union just last year yeah that'd be fun and i like the way since he plays it's truly chaotic like all right let's go do i want to see copa tejas and the conference semis yeah for sure okay austin dallas you're on do i need to see el trafico absolutely um <laughs> and then on the bracket challenge side i'm like everybody's gonna pick chalk everybody's going to pick the union and LAFC. So I'm going to do the flip side. If I want to have a chance in the bracket challenge to win, to do the best I can, I need to be like against the grain a little bit. So I'm going to take a risk on the union and LAFC. And I'm going to say that the galaxy get through. And I, I also think that just like Ricky Pooj and, and Chicharito, I would not want to play against them right now. Like I would not, I would not want to be, I would not want, I would not want the galaxy. Um, and you could say that about, about literally any playoff team, but with Brugman in there, with with uh, with Mark Delgado back in the team, with those guys, I mean, they have special players. They're still a little bit susceptible. Don't get me wrong, but they have special players. So I got them going to the final. I want to say I had them beating Austin. You could probably tell me better. Because uh, I think I had Austin going through against Dallas. And then the other side, I just have a soft spot for Montreal. They just play really good soccer. I think Wilfred Nance is a great coach. Uh, I love the storylines in their team. And this is like their last hurrah, really, with this core group. Wanyama gone, Mihailovic gone, probably is Malcone gone, maybe Kamal Miller gone after the World Cup, maybe Alistair Johnson in the same boat. This just feels a little bit like, um, you know, will they be good next year? Probably. Will they be 65 points good? Very, very unlikely. Uh, so I love the city of Montreal, and I, I really like Wilfred Nance as a coach. So I just, just, you know, heartstrings pushed them into the final and said, why not? Why not? Let a Canadian team win this thing. Yeah, if there is a, a Copa Teja semifinal, and I, I really can't remember who you have going through. I think I have yeah. Austin. I so, think it's Austin in to, in to take on the Galaxy. So you think we can handle FC Dallas at home? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. You can. It's not a guarantee, but you can. Okay. Yeah. With Alan Velasco back and. Look, they're a really good team. They're a team they that's are, gone. They are a good team, man, that can really, like you say, stretch stretch a back line and then expose you really really quickly. Yeah, they, they haven't got the credit, I think, maybe that this season has deserved because there's been some, you know, some flashier stuff going on, and they haven't always had that. Hasn't always been a ton of sizzle to their substance. You know, you know Jesus has been great, but he's, he's sort of been hot and cold at times. Ariola was just flying to start the year, and then he cooled down. Velasco's been hurt. Um, yeah, I don't think they've they've necessarily gotten the credit that they deserve for the season that they've had. But you know that's what happens when you have Austin stealing all the all the you know the headlines and all the highlights. LAFC ahead of you, you know Galaxy's right there, and they've got Chicharito and now Puj. Nashville has the MVP, in my opinion. Again, Austin fans, I'm sorry. I mean Reynoso <laughs> down the line, like. Yeah, they they haven't gotten the hype, um, but they deserve it, and they're they're a really good team. And that's the best part about the playoffs, right? Is you kind of cut out the you cut out the teams that couldn't hack it this year. They got to go back to the drawing board, and you know a good number of those teams have have bright spots. That's natural, but they're just not in the same in the same league ultimately at the end of the year as these fourteen teams. And I, I would argue in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there's leagues within that 14 as well, and, and I thought Doyle did a good job in his tiers of showing that. So I, I like that aspect of it. You get to the playoffs, you know all these teams are good. They're different degrees of good. They're still sort of the favorite underdog storyline going through, and these are the things that make sports fun. Like, can can Cincy do it? You know, can the top seeds back up their regular seasons? And now we get to answer all the questions, right? It's win or go home. It's the best time of the year by far. No doubt. Got a few more questions about Austin FC for you, bro. What's what's the most consistent player, or who is the most consistent player for Austin FC for you this year? I think it's I think it's um, honestly it might be it's it's between for me Diego or Driussi. Okay. And I'm ha- I think I I would have to go Driussi just on consistent quality. Um. And it might just be that, you know, take your pick and either of them are brilliant. Like, I think what I sort of said in uh, on Twitter that, like, if I was given out a homegrown of the year, I would give it to Diego Fagundes this year. And I know that sounds weird. Ferreira's a homegrown, et cetera. But I like the angle of, like, a 27-year-old guy who was a 17-year-old prodigy in this league. And I remember those teenage years in, in New England. Like, he was crazy special and then didn't have coaches didn't have situations that fit him to a t finds the right situation and at 27 years old is one of the best attacking players in the entire league i just think that is a really really incredible story but the flip side of it is is that driussi's i mean driussi's production is historic stuff like these aren't the seasons that come along um and for for Fagundes to get those assists, somebody's got to be scoring those goals, and that's been predominantly Driussi. So I, I would say Driussi with Diego Fagundes, just a very very close second. And if I had to add one other guy in there, it would be Brad Stuber. Ten four, nice. I like your picks. And Ring, man, as a DP, how do you feel about Ring as a DP? I feel good about Ring as a DP, particularly because I think that he's a DP for a reason, which is to open up those those U22 spots. I just think that the U22 spots have been 
you haven't got the production out of those. I was like looking for a kind way to say it. You haven't got the production <laughs> out of those spots that that you would need to get. You know, Jite has not given you what you need. Kolmanic has has not played enough minutes or been as imp- impactful enough, and ultimately lost his job to John Gallagher. So I think they got to go back to the drawing board with those spots, and then obviously Rodney Redis has has given almost nothing. So those are three spots, and this is the incredible thing about Austin. I think there's a I think there's a ceiling that they haven't even come close to scratching yet, and it's because those U twenty two spots haven't contributed. Like the entire point of having that third DP spot go to ring is so that you can use those spots, which are supposed to be high impact spots. Maybe not immediately, but eventually, and certainly I would think within the first two years or so. And they haven't been that. So I, I personally think if I'm Claudio Reyna, I'm I'm jacked up about this season. I, I you know I'm super happy. You have to look, I think, at Rigoni and and think, okay, well, there, we have to get more out of that next year. But we also have to evaluate what we're doing with our U22 spots, whether these are the right guys. And if they are that we think the right guys, how do we get more out of them in 2023? Because we certainly have not got enough this year. Right. And this this season, if we don't win MLS Cup, you think that we still have the everything, all the tools there to still be knocking on the door next season, yeah, yeah. seasons to come? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and you'll make changes, too. You know, you'll improve the squad. You'll find areas that um, – that could that could be reinforced, uh, you know. I, I look at like uh, Daniel Danny Pereira has had a good year. I think he could have a better year next year. I don't think we've seen the best that he can offer. Uh, I think that I, another center back, whether it's you know within the squad uh, in, the, in the form of Kip Keller or otherwise, to push Cascante or Gabrielson would be good. You know they've been they've been fine, uh, but they are thirty and twenty nine. Like I think you probably need to find somebody that's going to start to to turn that page a little bit. But yeah, most of these guys are like in their prime or right around it. Driussi's right there. Fagundes is right there. John Gallagher has been a really, that that con- that like conversion to left back has been a really, really good thing for this team. Owen Wolf has something. Like I'm excited to see where he goes. Um, and then you got some good leaders in there. So I, I think they'll turn over some rocks in the offseason as, as any ambitious team does, and they certainly seem to be ambitious. And uh, I, I only see this team uh, having more cracks at MLS Cup, and you can look straight at Sebastian Driussi and say thank you for that because he appears to be just a perennial MVP candidate. Definitely. Well, let's get to some questions that we had for you. I think you already answered the the VAR how did they inter- not interview? Yeah, we had Thompson. a that, we had a little. That was a little bit of a therapy session. I'm <laughs> I've been like going back and forth. I'm you know I'm not as I don't feel as strongly as I did when we recorded the show. So I don't know if that's Austin fans breaking me down or my better judgment coming through. But what I will say is it every time I do that show and then then like have arguments with people about it, it just reminds me how freaking difficult refereeing is. Like I get to watch that play a thousand times. Like think about having to do it live on the field. And then under pressure in a VAR booth, it's very difficult. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll jump on that grenade, Austin fans. I I may have got I may have got some of those calls wrong. Ask him who's his favorite Austin FC player, and why is it between Diego Fagundes or Sebastián Driussi? That's from I, Daniel. I think I think Daniel. I've already answered that. I think Diego Fagundes is my favorite uh, Austin FC player. I just have a soft spot for homegrowns, and he was like one of the OG homegrowns, like. Before homegrowns were a thing, he was that guy. So I think uh, I think for me, Diego Fagundes 
Um, I think he's, I think he's, he's my guy. All right. And of course, I already asked you if you were going to come to the game. I had an extra ticket for you to give you, bro. Damn. The hospitality. You know, we're ready for you to come. The bro. hospitality. We're going to sit in the supporter section. I, know. Right? I got family down there. Me. I got family down there. Maybe I can drag, I drag the family next year. I had to miss a bachelor party uh, for my guy, uh, uh, Rich Hernandez, who's the producer of Instant Replay. They went down and, and did a batch in, in Austin, and then they went to a game. Uh, and it was on, he scheduled it on Mother's Day. Which tells <laughs> nice. you how, how many of the other guys have kids. Yeah, zero. 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 <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do that either. Yeah, no. I was like, uh, are you kidding me, Rich? Like, I'm sorry, dude. This is not even – I won't even ask my wife this question. That's funny. So, we'll end this with the Texas Ring of Fire. It's kind of this or that. Ask you a question. You pick one or the other. Sound good? Yep, I'm in. All right. East or the West? Oh, that's a, that's actually a good question. I kind of like that. Que- I might steal that question for extra time tomorrow on the do bracket. It. Like, which one do you like the more, the most? Can I keep it to the brackets, or do I have to make it the complete conference? Uh, do the conference. All right. Um, you know what? Do the bracket. Do the bracket. Okay, because like going through the, it's hard on the conference. I'm gonna take the Western Conference bracket. Okay. I think that while the East is super fun, I think having Cincy or Red Bulls to match up with Philly and then hopefully NYC Montreal for me, I think the possibility of El Trafico and Copa Tejas in the conference semis and a very good possibility of that uh, takes it over the top. I think there's some huge stars uh, in the West, like, like Driussi, Honey Mukhtar, Chicharito, uh, Puj. Uh, obviously, you know, Ferreira and Areola and Velasco and Dallas, even Minnesota, Reynoso. Salt Lake doesn't have it, but they have the X-Dog, and I think they're obviously more than X-Dog. So I'm going to give Western Conference the edge on the, on the conference. And then as far as overall, it just shifts year by year. I don't have a soft spot for either. It just goes back to which one's more entertaining. Uh, so if you entertain me, I like you. That's basically how it breaks down. All right. All right. So verde or black? Verde, for sure. Verde. You know, I, there's a lot of black in the league, but there's not a ton of of, uh, of verde. And I like the green. I really, I really like the striped jerseys. And then I like the sort of like the light, uh, like that sort of like light limey, like uh, like lime um, sorbet sort of sort of color on the jersey. I just think it's like when you watch Austin and you see Austin, you know. And I think it really has bled well, and you guys as, as supporters have used it really well. Uh, the green, so I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the Verde. Nice. And you kind of answered this already, Austin or Dallas. I know you're gonna choose Austin. Yeah, I would choose Austin. Um, I got more family in uh, in like in in southern central Texas, like family in some family in San Antonio, some family in Houston, family around Austin. Uh, if I had to choose a city to visit in Texas, it would be for for fun. It would be Austin. Doyle or Gas? Ooh, tough one. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say David. Uh, David's gonna be my choice here. We've been doing this together for a long time. Um, he's on both shows every week with me. There's nobody better to like go out with, to be in a new situation with, to go mingle with anybody. So I love Doyle, my dude. It's not like I'm abandoning him by the roadside here, but uh, if I had to choose, 
think I'm going to go Dave. All right. And regular game or bonus game? Bonus game every time. Like, look, you know, the regular games are fine. Like, you take your you take your, uh, take your, your takeaways from that. But who doesn't love a good bonus game? You know, dr- drop five goals on a team that, that, you know, so hapless they barely know what's going on. If you, you know what you could say, honestly, Austin fans, is that you were sort of the driving force after embarrassing Miami and Cincinnati to start the season for them to get their shit together. Yeah. You were the driving force for that. So I'm going to say always bonus game. Nice, man. Well, I appreciate you, Andrew Weeby. Uh, let people know where they can find you at. Yeah, Andrew underscore Weeby on Twitter. That's where the banter happens, although I'm pretty sure I don't have to inform this squad. Uh, where I reside there, and then obviously, uh, you know, if you love MLS, um, extra time. I th- I I think, and you know, maybe sounds uh, egotistical, but I think is the best way to follow the league uh, as a whole. Definitely is. Um, just to get every everything, every story, every little bit that you can out of it. So, um, you know, if you're into MLS or you're into Austin and you want to get into MLS, I think that we are sort of like the. Uh, we're the gateway, so to speak, to to league fandom and to caring about more than just what Austin does, even if what Austin does is your number one. Uh, so I'd throw that out there. But then, uh, you know, I'm hosting all the postgame shows on MLSsoccer.com throughout the playoffs. We'll be there after the final game every match day and uh, hosting, you know, expansion draft and super draft. So going to the next expansion, hopeful there in, in Seattle or in uh, St. Louis, I should say. So, yeah, doing a ton of stuff. And then we'll see what happens next year with uh, with Apple. Uh, looking forward to that as well. But uh, Russell, my my oldest son's middle name is Russell, so we're we're kindred spirits here. And I got a crispy, uh, keep doubting a shirt to wear if and if and when I see you this year in Austin. Oh, you'll see us. Uh, is there an actual day? <laughs> is there an actual day for MLS Cup yet? I want to say I don't know pre World Cup. I'm gonna guess based on the playoff. Oh, there is. Hold on, let me get the playoff schedule for you real quick. Just so you can, you know, I want to make sure you have that. Since obviously, well, you, you, need you, expect, a, you need to start. You need to start planning your. You expect to be trip. there. MLS Cup Saturday, November fifth. November fifth. We'll see you, Andrew Weeby. Yeah, all right, November fifth, man. All I'll right, be expecting. A, I'll be expecting a couple beers after that game. I got you, man. Some, Whatever. Uh, some tacos. There better be a taco truck around. <laughs> we got you, Paprika. Uh-huh. We got there you, man. Yeah. See if you got if you know yours off the top of your head, you immediately know the one you're taking. Uh, I trust you then. All right, brother. Well, all you right, take man. care, man. Yeah, this has been a, this has been fun. Thank you, Russell. It, it has, bro. Thank you. Yep.